0: Welcome to Obsessed with Design, a show about what makes designers tick. I'm your host, Josh Miles. I'm a designer, brand strategist, and principal at branding agency Miles Herndon in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. And if we're being honest, it's been raining here for like the last three weeks straight, so I'm thinking about buying a boat. Today on Obsessed with Design, we've got a special rebroadcast with Matt Stevens, who is an illustrator and designer talking about his project, The Rookie Handbook, working with former NFL players to create and design a really cool product. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be launching season two of Obsessed With Design, so look for some new bells and whistles, as well as some incredible conversations with a few people that I know that you're gonna enjoy listening from. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation With Matt Stevens. All right, guys, today I'm very excited to welcome designer, illustrator, speaker, and creative tinkerer from the design office of Matt Stevens from North Carolina. It's Matt Stevens himself. Matt, thank you so much for being on Obsessed with Design.
1: Hey, Josh. Glad we could finally get together and make this happen. Glad to be on.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, um, you've been a busy boy, so I'm glad we finally were able to chase down this chat. And, uh, Matt and I met a few, uh, months back when you were here last year for our local AAF chapter, uh, which was a really cool talk. So are you, are you doing much of that these days out speaking or attending conferences?
1: Um, I really do enjoy it. I'm trying to be a little choosier about doing it just because it's, You know, it's fairly time consuming. I I wish I had just sort of a stock talk that I always gave that would probably be smart, but I I, (laughs) I find myself trying to um, tinker and reinvent my talk when I give it. So you've got the time of putting that together and changing it and updating it. And so I I really enjoy it. I'm trying to be a little more selective about it. Um, And it's not something that I heavily pursue, but um, I think I really, I love speaking to chapters. I think the conference experience um, is something that I'm probably trying to explore a little more and try to stress that Mm -hmm. uh, because I find that, you know, I have more time. The speaking to chapters can definitely be kind of a, kind of a whirlwind and um, you're kind of there and back within a couple of days. So uh, I enjoy both, but I'm really trying to focus more on conferences because I get to be there a little longer. I get to enjoy the conference and it's, you know, makes it a little more worth it with time away from family and time away from work. So I love doing it, but I, I guess long, long answer. I'm, I'm just trying to trying to be a little more selective about it, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I totally understand that. You know, a lot of the, the people that we've talked to uh, over the first couple of months here on Obsessed with Design, We've dug into a little bit of their origin story. And I would say if I had any common threads, the thing that I hear the most is, well, you know, I always liked to draw growing up and that's how I got into it. So I'm curious to hear what your origin story is and how you got into doing design professionally.
1: Yeah, I would say um, my experience is very similar to that. I didn't have a whole lot, you know, no one in my family was an illustrator or a designer my... Father passed away when I was fairly young, but he was a pharmacist, but was a guy that was always had these crazy little projects going and and did a lot of craft kind of stuff. And he built Volkswagens and he was always doing weird things with those. And so I think that sort of uh, creative bent was there. I had two older brothers that started out in art, but they ended up going into different fields. And so I was kind of the one that sort of stuck to it um I would say you know maybe that's something unique for me is I remember um probably I guess it would probably be like middle school there was a logo design contest and I remember not really understanding the concept of what a logo was I may have been a little younger than middle school and I just remember that being really interesting to me the idea of not necessarily painting a picture or drawing a drawing, but the idea of creating something with image and text that kind of represented something I thought was really interesting. So that sort of got me in thinking about the idea of back then we called it commercial art. Um, <laughs> that got me thinking about that. Um, and I think that just kind of put the seed there that, you know, I never really wanted to be a fine artist. I like the idea of trying to condense and compress uh, other people's messages and kind of interpret them in a visual way. I remember early on just having a real sense of that. Um, I used to play paper football with like the neighbor kids, you know, on the big dining room table, we'd fold up the little triangular paper and we would always pick our teams and we would spend hours making the posters and designing our players uniforms and So I was just really early on, very interested in kind of that side of things, sort of creating visuals around the things that I was interested in. Uh, So that was, that was probably in addition to being one of those kids that just kind of drew on every scrap of paper and did all that stuff. I think I had a strangely somehow had an idea of what graphic design was back before I really could verbalize what it was.
0: So then did you jump into doing your own thing like right out of school or did you go work other places or what did that timeline look like for you?
1: Sure. Uh, No, I I really I was not a person that really had a ton of desire to run my own thing for a long time. I just was happy um, working with other people, really was scared of taking on that ultimate responsibility of um, billing and you know all that. Stuff. I'm a very right-brained person, obviously. And so that administrative numbers-based stuff always was very intimidating to me. Didn't think I could do it. Um, I love talking about design with clients, but I'm not the guy that loves to sit in meetings and deal with that whole side of it. So I think I felt very intimidated by that and just felt like I really wanted to stay in the creative side. And the way to do that was to continue to try to find better jobs and try to work at places that I liked. So, you know, I worked kind of the typical path started as junior designer, uh, designer became a senior designer and then eventually a creative director at a small brand shop. I think at our biggest, we were about 12 people and I was very much a hybrid kind of designer director. I still did a lot of design myself That creates its own set of issues and problems, but because of our size and because of my desire to continue to do the work, that's what I did. So I was, I directed a small team. I did some of the design myself and then it was kind of out of necessity. I, you know, I was in my late thirties and continuing to kind of need to make, you know, a certain level of income with three kids and just kind of started doing some freelance on my own kind of as an outlet. Um, and many of those projects got some traction online. People started to notice that. That started to lead to freelance opportunities. And then ultimately, I had kind of this perfect storm of things were kind of going in a direction I didn't like at my previous job, at my last job. Facebook, who I had been freelancing with for about a year and a half, they didn't even know I had a full time job. They thought I was a full time illustrator. <laughs> and they asked me to come out and Basically, it was going to be an extended job interview. Uh, and I was also at the time working with JJ's Red Hots, which was a a restaurant startup, and they wanted to put me on retainer for about six months. So it was kind of like, all right, I've never like wanted to do this thing. But if I'm ever going to do this thing, I'm not going to get a better opportunity than now. And i would gotten to the point where I wasn't really loving my job and I just got to the got to that point where I was like, well, I have to take a risk. So I went out to Facebook for three months. Um, I'd fly back every couple of weeks. So my family kind of remembered who I was. And um, <laughs> it was a really exciting, very difficult time. I was doing Facebook all day as if I worked at Facebook. And then I was working on this restaurant nights and weekends. Uh, so it was a crazy couple months. Ultimately decided I did not want to take a job uh, out there more so for family reasons than anything else. I just, you know, have a lot of family here on the East coast and that's important to us. And so I, that's when I took the plunge is just trying to make it, make a go, of being on my own.
0: Cool. So how long has that been now?
1: Uh, It's been just about four years.
0: Very nice. And then is it, uh, is it just you in the office of Matt Stevens at this point.
1: It is it is me, uh, me, the dog. Occasionally I've been kind of a wandering nomad as far as office space. I I have a nice space at home and I have in my four years, I have worked in four different offices. Um, and that's, we can get into that if you want to, but, um, so that's, (laughs) that's kind of what, what I call home. Um, And uh, I do not have any employees. I toyed with the idea of bringing on someone kind of entry level. I think the struggle for me is that I do so much illustration um, that that's hard to have somebody help you with that. Yeah. Uh, So every time I get to the point where one of my design projects kind of grows, and it's like, oh, it'd be nice to help, have some help with this. Then I realize that, you know, I have so much illustration. It's just, yeah. Uh, I haven't quite figured that out yet. I do farm some things out as far as, you know, if I'm doing a brand project that has a big web component to it, I'll bring in a web designer or developer. uh, Or if something needs a particular kind of illustrated approach, I have brought in. Um, I've worked with motion designers before doing some animated things, and I'm actually currently partnering with another illustrator on identity projects. So it's mostly me.
0: Cool. All right. So that tells us a little bit about kind of uh, your your employee base. At least. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about as a solo designer and illustrator, like how you spend your time, how much of it is administrative versus how much are you actually, you know, in the software doing illustrations or, you know, sketching stuff out by hand. What's your what's your day usually look like?
1: Um, I I think that's one of the good things, one of the things I enjoy about being on my own. I I do think that most of my time is spent doing the work or things really closely related to the work. You know, I think, uh, as I mentioned before, I don't think the admin side is a strong suit of mine, but I think it's just about having some discipline and staying organized. So I really honestly don't spend probably more than an hour a day doing stuff like that uh mm-hmm. you know probably three quarters or more of my time is spent the stuff if i'm not procrastinating three three quarters or more of my time is not you know is focused on work or work related things and so i for me that's part of the beauty of it i think most of the meetings i have are very essential i don't find myself in a lot of meetings to have meetings um, and I work remotely on most of my projects, which might be some of the reason of that. You know, there's, I've definitely had some agencies that have tried to plug me into things that just weren't probably a good fit or didn't make a lot of sense for me. Uh, and I, I think the couple of times I've done that, I found those to be less efficient. I don't really know why, but um, yeah, most of my day is, is definitely spent. Doing the work or trying to stay inspired or talking with other designers, I don't do enough of that, but that's something I really try to do.
0: Well, if I remember correctly, speaking of inspiration and doing the work, one of the stories that I loved was kind of hearing about your your Nike Air Max project and, you know, how that kind of just kept you busy and kept you inspired and how that maybe led to a lot of other opportunities. Can you tell us a little bit of that story?
1: Yeah, so I started that um, back when I was still creative director at a um, at the last job I worked. And I was really born out of a desire to try to do more illustration. At the time, I wasn't doing much illustration, um, if any at all. And one of my struggles when I was an illustrator back in school, this will age me a little bit, but um, I worked in traditional media and I never really found that... I've never really found the medium that I loved or that I felt like really complimented me as an illustrator, felt my work often was kind of dull. And so when I dove back into illustration, I had all these digital tools that didn't exist before. Uh, and I found that it was a really good match for me. And so the Nike project was me just kind of going, I just want to find something that I can sort of guinea pig on and I want to find an object and I want to redraw it and really try to explore style. It was really in the beginning, it was more about exploring style than exploring concept. Cause I just want to try all these different things with these new tools that I have never played with. And so that's really, really how that started. And, and to be honest, I did not have a master plan to do a hundred of them or 50 of them. I think I found the, um, the response that they were getting was really what was driving me. I found that people were very enthusiastic. People really liked them as I started to really expand into different concepts the project became more about concept uh, rather than just execution. I, they really started to blow up. And so, yeah, that definitely led to a lot of, a uh, lot of opportunity Got me a lot of visibility online as an illustrator, you know, which was kind of ironic because I was just starting in this, this new kind of illustrated, illustration world that was new for me. And yeah, it was really exciting. It was a very exciting time. It was really difficult to find the time to do it. I mean, I had a full-time job. I had kids. So you know, I was working on it nights, weekends, early mornings. And uh, My goal was to try to do at least three a week. As opposed to when it started, it was like I was going to spend an hour on each of them. But when they became more elaborate, that was my goal was to try to do three a week. Sometimes it was one or two a week. sometimes it was five a week. And then the Kickstarter idea just came when I realized I had 50 of these things done and people were kind of asking for more. So I thought maybe it was a viable thing. And I felt like it kind of legitimized it to put it into a book, to have something really tangible, something a little more lasting. Um, So, yeah, that's how that project came about. And I ended up printing a thousand books and Kickstarter took almost 400 of those. And then I had about 600 to sell and those sold out kind of within the year. And, yeah, it was it was awesome. It was definitely a huge part of kind of opening the door to a lot of different things for me.
0: And of course, you know, Nike catching wind of this project that could have gone really well or really poorly. So
1: yeah. <laughs> I started to feel better about that when I, I did a bit of due diligence in the beginning to, to see if I was, you know, on shaky ground. But, you know, we're in a really strange time with intellectual property and you never know who's going to who's going to get upset about what. But they were mm-hmm. always there were lots of people within Nike that were backing the Kickstarter project. I got a lot of emails from people within Nike, just really nice sort of reaching out, hey, I love the project. So that started to make me feel a little better about it. And then um, ultimately, I you know people kept saying, I can't believe Nike hasn't looked you up to do something for them. And it took about a year after the Kickstarter project before I heard from them. But ultimately, I did hear from them and they had kind of a use for me that was to do something very similar to what I had done for the Max 100 project for them with a new campaign, an online campaign that they were doing. And I ended up doing about 30 illustrations for them. Very similar approach to what I had done in the book. Very different process than, you know, me and Starbucks at 5.30 a.m. doing whatever I want to do, kind of sketching stuff out. It was a... it was a really different world to kind of connect with a huge brand and have to do that. And oh, sure. it was, it was difficult at first, but I'm really proud of the work we did. And yeah, I, I, I'm really happy with, with what we did. It was a big learning curve for me to kind of go from this total freedom, do whatever I want to having to really sell your um, crazy ideas up the chain at a brand like that, have to give you know reason for why these things, are what they are, how do they dovetail into the brand story, what part of the brand story are they telling? And so, you know, it was really being more of a designer where you have to satisfy the client's um, needs and desires. So it was interesting to see both sides of the coin on almost identical projects.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. I I think this uh, side gig or personal project thing has been a big part of, of your Personal growth and kind of your exposure. And it was cool to hear a little bit about um your new project that's getting ready to launch called the Rookie Handbook. Could you tell us a little bit about that project?
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm really excited about it. It's so, a um so the current center for our Carolina beloved Carolina Panthers here in Charlotte. Really creative guy, obviously very good at football, large human being. <laughs> but just really creative, very into comics, movies, has lots of great ideas. So he and I, he was injured about three years ago. And through Behance, I had put my work up on Behance. He found me and we worked on a couple of like logo projects for some companies that he was developing. Mm -hmm. That's how we got to know each other. So we work on a lot of things together now. And he is, he came to me with this idea. He's like, I want to do this book called The Rookie Handbook, and I want it to be sort of a field manual, handbook style, and it's under the guise of four rookies transitioning to the NFL, but obviously the larger audiences for fans of the NFL. And really what it is is a funny but really insightful look sort of behind the curtain of what goes on in the NFL. Dream project for me in that I'm a huge NFL fan, grew up you know, loving football, grew up a Cowboys fan. Now I've transitioned to a Panthers fan. And just, I found the material just fascinating. Like just the the text I would get from him. It's all about the stuff that really just kind of fleshes out that world. And it's like, wow, you know, this is the stuff that really goes on. And most of it's like really funny and quirky and some of it's really interesting. And so it was a huge, it's a almost 200 page book. I got to do all the design um, layout and all the illustrations that are in the book. So I haven't counted the illustrations, but it was a lot. And because the book was being printed overseas, we thought we had more time. We ended up having less time. And so my last month has been pretty insane as far as um, getting the book done, ready to go out. I will also mention that um, Jordan Gross, who's a former lineman, Jeff Handgartner, who's former lineman here, all contributed to the book. So those three guys um, came up with content together. Ryan did a lot of the writing of it. And then um, I did all the illustration and design and it should come out um, before the season in September. Uh, Yeah. And I'm just, I'm really excited about it. It's been a just fun. It's felt like a a side project, but it's actually a real project, which is, you know, that's the dream.
0: Yeah. nice.
1: The publisher has been very supportive. We're working with Regan arts and they haven't, changed the lick of my art, which has been nice. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really fun. I'm I'm looking forward to it and hope the book does well. Yeah.
0: Congratulations. We'll have to, um, link it's, up to wherever we'll be able to find that in the show notes. Okay. So what else do you have going on right now? I'd imagine as that's winding down, there's other crazy things happening at the same time. So what are, sure. what are some of your favorite things to work on these days?
1: Yeah, I did. Uh, um, there's a conference down in Memphis called Creative Works, and the guy that started that, his name is Josh Horton. Uh, he's also a creative and works down in Memphis, Tennessee, and he brought me in on a project for a the oldest craft brewer. The craft brewery scene down there is fairly young. I think these guys started in 2006, 2007. They're called Ghost River Brewing. Mm, yeah. Uh-huh but I got to work on that with him. So complete rebrand, all new packaging. I've actually had three failed brewery projects (laughs) for that where I've, I've done all the work. The project is basically done. I've been paid. Nobody ripped me off Mm -hmm. one reason or another. They never happened. Um, And so I, you know, all designers want to do gig posters and breweries. I think that's at least the way I am.
0: (laughs) Or CD packaging, if you're, you know, grew up in the '90s.
1: So, uh, so it was really exciting to get to do a project. Josh and I just creatively really meshed well. He served as creative director, client liaison. I worked remotely as designer, and we it was a very collaborative experience. It was I'm really happy with the results. Um, that should start popping up more so in the next couple months. But all most of that work is done. We're doing some stuff for the space right now. We're dealing with signage um, tap handles, all that stuff. And that's just, you know, that's what I love about brand projects. That's what I love about identity, um, is getting to do lots of different things within a, within an identity project. That's one of my favorite things to do. So that's been really fun. I still do lots with Facebook. I've been working with their ads and pages team, um, helping to kind of do a, audit on what their current illustration style is, which I've done a lot of that illustration over Mm -hmm. the last couple of years, it's been a little bit by the seat of our pants. And now we're really taking a step back and going, all right, how do we define a more consistent, more on-brand look for the ads and pages team? And that's been really fun. It's kind of combining my love for brand and identity with illustration because you're really, how do we interpret this brand in a visual way through illustration? That's been fun. Um, the Rookie Handbook's been great. I've actually been uh, through Ryan. He started a uh, movie production company out in LA. They're part of Legendary Pictures, actually uh, within them, smaller division. And he's pitching, a, pitching and developing a ton of really interesting uh, movie ideas. And so I'm kind of getting exposed to that world a little bit. I love film, love movies. And um, I'm working on a lot of, sort of blue sky concepts on pitching these movies. So these movies start as ideas, they get a writer and then they have to pitch these ideas around. Mm -hmm. And how do they do that?
0: So is the audience like the different studios or is, are these funders or who, who's the pitch directed towards?
1: It's all kinds of people. It's people that may have rights to the property that they're interested in. It might be a, somebody that's kind of the godfather of a particular intellectual property that needs to give his go-ahead. It can be other studios, Mm -hmm. writers they want to get involved. Um, So it needs to work as kind of a, what is this interesting piece of collateral? And that's what's also exciting about it. Typically, it's something physical. Um, How do we create this thing that we can then show around, let people know what this movie is going to be about and get them excited about it? And, you know, Ryan comes to the table with a lot of really interesting ideas off, you know, right off the cuff. So um, he's very open to doing something that's cool and a little outside the box. So that's very new for me. That's a we haven't actually finished one yet, but we have three on the table that we're working on. Um, And that's something that I never would have said, hey, I really want to do this. But, you know, I'm doing it and it's it's really cool because it combines a lot of illustration, a lot of design and just my love of these, these movies that they're, they're developing. So it's, that's, that's something I'm particularly excited about right now.
0: I feel like that's one of those things that if you don't know it exists, you wouldn't even know that was a thing that needed a designer. Like that's right. it's just one of those things that's so off the radar that.
1: And I don't even know that it is a thing. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I Maybe it's just to, you guys. Yeah. It's like, is anyone else doing this? But it's, it's kind of that let's go above and beyond to try to sell this idea. Let's do something beyond a PowerPoint deck or beyond uh, just telling somebody about it. Let's do something tangible that we can really sell this idea. So um, yeah, I mean, it's going that extra mile, which, uh, which is really exciting.
0: Very cool. Well, circling back a little bit, I think I'm following you on Instagram or maybe a couple other places. And I'd seen some of that ghost river brewing stuff and it's, 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 First of all, it's gorgeous, but second of all, it feels unlike so many other things that are happening in that space right now, which I think is a real challenge with so many designers that like you mentioned want to jump into this craft brewing space and you know, you start getting a lot of things that start feeling very familiar and I think it's yeah. it's cool how much that is going to stand out on the on the shelf.
1: Yeah, thanks. I, you know, I give a lot of the credit to um Josh who is <clears throat> From Memphis, so he kind of got it. You know, I think a lot of my early ideas were solid, but they were maybe a little more expected. Maybe looked mm-hmm. like somebody that wasn't from Memphis. And he's like, no, they need to have this. He was able to articulate kind of this vision he had in his head of it needs to be dark, it needs to be mysterious. It's called Ghost River. It's about the river. It's about the grit and the grind of Memphis, Tennessee. Um, And I think all those things kind of went in this bubbling pot and kind of came out how it did. And I think without that, without his insight, without him really pushing it to feel Memphis, I think it could have gotten a little more generic. It would have been well designed and it would have been, you know, nice. But I think that kind of last push is what what made it feel ownable by them and made it really feel feel Memphis. So thanks for for saying that.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, finding a good client with, with vision is, is a great challenge in the first place, but then, you know, finding one that can, can articulate what that vision is, I think is huge because they can, they can say all day long things like, "Well, we just want it to pop," or <laughs> you yeah. know, things that don't necessarily translate to a specific idea. But but when somebody can say, "No, it's about the river, it's about the grid, it's about Memphis," and yeah, and can kind of you know talk through what that means to them, it's so much easier for us as designers to go, "Oh, okay, that I understand. Yeah. I think I'm feeling this now."
1: Yep, couldn't agree more.
0: So is there anything that you would look out for as like a red flag for a potential project or is there anything that is like a, a clear walk away sign from a project?
1: Um, I think if the email is lazy, that tends to be a, a sign. Just if, you know, I get a lot of these, you know, caveman talk, you know, me business need logo kind of thing. <laughs> um, I tend to, have a hard time not responding to people. You know, I don't just want to not respond. And I also don't want to um, you know, maybe it is a good project and they just don't type well. You know, I don't know. But that's mm-hmm. been kind of a common thread is that people that tend to approach you very casually or approach you in a way that's not thoughtful or professional, that put the onus on you to ask a zillion questions when, you know, they know you're going to need to know these things. Um that is a red flag. Emails I get where the name is wrong. You know, they forgot to replace the last guy's name with my name. <laughs> right. um, that's a pretty obvious one. Um, you know, I think the asking, if it's a new client that I haven't, uh, don't know a lot about, is not with a brand I've heard of, that kind of thing. I think that asking for a deposit up front really weeds out some folks that may be a little sketchy. Um, Oftentimes I think secondhand referrals can be dangerous. I don't think that's always the case, but say, you know, I've got a friend that does a great style and this client's looking for that style and they go to him and he's busy and can't do it. And he says, and they're like, well, do you know anybody? And then he'll refer them to me and a couple of other folks. Mm Um, You know, I've gotten in the situation where they don't really want me. They just want kind of a body. You know, they want a person.
0: They need some hands.
1: Right. And that's, you know, that's, I'm not going to say that never works out, but I think the projects that go the best is when somebody has found your work and likes it or um, is referred to you directly because someone you've worked with, you know, has really talked you up. So I think the more direct the referral that, Tends to go better if it's kind of like, hey, I I heard that you live close to me and I need a designer. You know that that can be a little sketchy at times. Those are probably the biggest red flags as far as, you know, just initial contact that I get. And most of my initial contact is, is through email.
0: Sure. Well, where do you think your best clients come from? Do you think it's some of those more self-guided projects or do you think it's something else?
1: I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's fairly random. i think I think for me, it's it's the the idea of getting your work out there and getting work that is like the work you want to do out there um, has led to probably the best ongoing clients. My initial connection with Facebook was through the Max One Hundred project. My initial contact with Ryan, who I've done the book project, who I've done tons of things with, Um, was because I had put my work up on Behance. And I did this very weird kind of, I really liked it and a few other people liked it. I did this series of illustrations called Junk Drawer. And I had this idea of, you know, could you identify these pop culture icons through the stuff that's just in their junk drawer at home? (laughs) I had done one about Batman, put that work up on Behance, Ryan's looking, He sees it. the company he's starting is comics related. And he's like, oh, this guy understands comics or at least knows the characters. So um, and then JJ's was a very similar story. They're still a really good client for me. They saw the owner of JJ's father used to be the creative director of Dunkin' Donuts. He was looking for inspiration for his new brand that he was starting. uh, John Luther's his name he was Google image searching Dunkin' Donuts design and found a bunch of images of a speculative rebrand I had done just for fun. Oh, yeah. That ran on brand new, the you know brand critique site.
0: Yeah, we had Armin on here a couple weeks ago.
1: Yeah, so that's how I got connected with that. So some of my best ongoing things just happened because I was doing work that I was interested in that I wanted to do more of and that I put online and these sites are, that's what I tell people. It's like, these sites are free. Like BS is free. Dribbble is free. I can't think of a reason not to put my work as many places as possible. Um, And some of that is just because you don't know who's looking, you don't know who's going to find it. It, You know, maybe you have to weed through a little more sort of crummy inquiries because of it, but Mm -hmm some of the best things that have happened to me have just been from sharing my work.
0: And man, it's it's such a burden to have to weed through all those business requests. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh right. man, so many people want to hire me. I hate this.
1: Well, actually that was that was one of the eye-opening experiences for me when I first started my business. I thought I saw every inquiry as a project. Like, oh, this is going to be a great project. I didn't yeah. realize it took like 10 inquiries to kind of get one good project out of it. And so it was really disheartening at first. Like I was like, who are all these people? Like all these weird projects, these strange things that don't pan out. And I have a healthier view of it now. It's just kind of part of the deal of it is you just have to, you have to get in kind of eight or 10 requests to kind of get one good out of it. But yeah, certainly not a problem to complain about.
0: I don't know if you've gotten this one, but it's like the graphic designer's equivalent to the you know, I have the rich prince and I've inherited his money. It's like this email that says I'm looking for a designer and I ha- I'm hard of hearing and I can't use the telephone, but I hope you take credit cards. Have you gotten I, this request? I've gotten that.
1: Oh I feel, man. I think I've gotten so, it
0: like a two definitely. dozen of those. It's just really? the first two I responded to. And I was like, I already answered your email and it's, and it's a different version every time. But I think it's one of those that, um, it's like such a ridiculous request. If they can get you on that, they can probably get you to do whatever you want.
1: <laughs> that is bizarre. I'll keep an eye out for that one.
0: Yeah. So if any other designers who are listening have gotten this, I am deaf, but I want a website and I need to pay via credit card. Tweet tweet at me because I'm curious how rampant this uh, this thing is. It's really bizarre. Man. So that was a slight uh, side road, but Outside of new business requests, what would you say you are most obsessed with today?
1: I, uh, yeah, this is a tough one for me. I was, I was reading through, um, kind of reading through your questions earlier just to, you know, get familiarized myself. And I, I got a little stuck on this one, to be honest, maybe Legos. I don't know. Maybe, uh, <laughs> I love Legos. Um, <laughs> I've always been obsessed kind of with Batman. So I collect Batman stuff from a work perspective. I guess, I don't know these days what I'm thinking about a lot is kind of what's next. I feel like I always have to keep an eye out for what's next. And I feel like I struggle with, I struggle a lot with, am I on the right path? Do I need to be taking a different path? Like I'm busy, things are going well, but maybe that's, the part of me that's become more of an entrepreneur is I feel like I'm looking for pitfalls and Mm -hmm. how things trending, you know, what what kind of work am I doing now? What kind of work was I doing last year? Am I doing more of the kind of work I want to do now than I was before? So I think, I I think about that stuff a lot uh, and trying to, you know, I look at my peers. Some of my peers have gone very specific. Like uh, they started out maybe the same time I did and they're, they've become a very specific kind of branding shop or identity shop, which is great. And then I look at that and I go, Oh, I should be doing that. Like I, you know, that's wrong. And then I look at my income and, you know, more than half of it is illustration based. Mm -hmm. So then I go look at illustrators and I'm like, Oh, well look at that guy. He really, you know, he's really becoming specific kind of illustrator. Mm -hmm. And where I always end up with that is, I really like doing lots of different kinds of things. And I think that's what keeps me fresh. That's what keeps me interested in what I'm doing. I love working on a book this month and pouring all my time into it. And then, you know, now I'm working on something that's like something I've never done before, which is a pitch books for movies. Or now I'm really helping a brand kind of define its illustrated look. Um, so, I kind of talk myself down off the ledge eventually, but i wouldn 't say it 's a super interesting obsession, but I definitely find myself thinking a lot about my path and am I on the right path, and do I need to be steering things a little bit and just trying to be comfortable with where I am at the same time, you know, just realizing that i 'm mm-hmm. doing okay, not be too neurotic about about where I am, but um yeah, I, I think a lot about that. I'll let you know if I have any answers. I don't right now. <laughs> okay. Um,
0: <laughs> what about um, as you're thinking about the future? Are there any particular dream projects? I think a lot of people might argue you've had more dream projects than most of us put together, but what's, what's next for you? What would you love to tackle you haven't done yet?
1: Yeah, I mean, I really love doing things where the content is really interesting to me. Um, the project I did with Nike was was difficult but it was a dream project in that sense. I felt like Mm -hmm. it legitimized my max 100 project. I always felt kind of strange about doing something Nike based, but it wasn't for Nike and that was a dream project. So I really almost to me, anything that is a, that where I really believe in the vision of what the person is doing, a la, kind of this JJ's project. I love the work I get to do for them. they are wonderful people. I love what they're about uh, as a business and what they're trying to do. They really believe in their product. They really want to make people happy through their product. So I, I don't know that I have anything specific, but I definitely want to go after more work like that, you know, more work where I really love what it's about. I really love what the people are about. You know, we all take on projects that are not dream projects and (laughs) they're not the most exciting thing, but they pay the bills or so I'm always trying to keeping my finger on the pulse of, am I doing enough things that I personally am interested in? I mean, that's what makes you kind of love what you do, at least for me, it gives me that excitement. So I don't have anything specific, but I definitely want to continue to try to try to get more projects that I believe in. So,
0: what do you think is your proudest moment so far as a designer?
1: Uh I have a couple One would be you know when I did the Nike work and they sent me the brief. this may sound silly, but they sent me the first brief, and it they had designed the cover kind of with my name on it. Mm-hmm. you know I know that's like all they did was type in the thing and but it, you know it said <laughs> nike. You know, by it just it the way it was typed up, it was like felt like a true collaboration and that they were almost kind of using my name as a something that was important. So for a brand that I grew up with for uh, the mythology of that brand, something I had such a passion for as a kid, that was pretty exciting. And it was just, you know, a PDF cover. Um, and then to see my work online. Uh, the way that they featured it during that time was pretty exciting. That was, you know, that felt like it kind of cemented for me that all this work that I had done on this shoe project, which at times I have to admit, when I was in the middle of it, I'm like, this may be the dumbest thing ever, right? You know, I'm drawing <laughs> the same shoe a hundred times. At times, it seems so brilliant, and then there are times it's like, this is so dumb. Like, what, what am I doing? And I think anybody that of pushes themselves creatively or takes a risk, you have those moments where you're like this is this might be really, really stupid, <laughs> And so you know sacrificing all this time and working on this it's a shoe you know i've t- I've had to try to explain this project to people, and it's not something you can explain and not sound like an idiot like it's the hardest thing like I drew a shoe a hundred times, but to have that kind of lead to something with a brand of that caliber that, you know, that felt, I was really proud of that because it was like, okay, it wasn't the stupidest thing ever. Like somebody else saw value in it. And so that kind of positive feedback, I think the other thing that's an ongoing proud moment is that I'm able to have a life doing this, you know, that I'm able to make enough money for my family that I'm able to, um, kind of where would I want to work? I know that sounds silly, but I'm in Charlotte. We're a banking town. Everybody's wearing the khakis and the polos and the, mm-hmm. bloters, you know, which is fine. But it's like, I don't, I don't fit that mold. And there's something that I take pride in that I get to do kind of this weird thing in this town that doesn't necessarily embrace that. And I get to provide, so I'll, you know, we'll be driving in my car and I'll, uh, I can kind of look in the rearview mirror and I see my family back there. And it's like I'm able to provide for people doing this thing. Um, and that's a very kind of humbling, very grateful moment uh for me to 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 say that, to say I, I actually really like my job and I actually get to make enough money that we all get to eat and have clothes and a house. And that's a that's a real ongoing thing for me. And I'm glad my kids get to see that. You know, I'm glad my kids get to see you don't have to necessarily fit the mold or the path of everyone around you. You can do something a little different and you can still kind of make it and kind of carve your own way. So that's probably even more so than any particular project. I think that's, that's what I'm most
0: proud of. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I think, um, you know, anybody who would identify as being obsessed with design, they're not doing this job because they have to, or they just need to do, you know, quote, go get a job. It's most of us who are doing this. It's something they're very passionate about. And maybe it's not the day-to-day hustle. That's the exciting part, but the fact that we get to sit down and design or draw or illustrate or, you know, create for a living is, is a pretty cool thing.
1: And I I will say, I think the idea of dream projects, that bubble has been burst for me a little bit. I I don't think the dream projects are typically what you expect them to be. Mm. I don't think the dream projects from the outside always end up being the dream projects. Like the Nike project was great, but it was hard. Like at the time, it was really, really hard because it was not what I expected. It was harder than I expected. It was different than I expected. You know, even a brand like that, that produces such amazing things. I mean, they deal with, you've got imperfect people trying to get together and accomplish something.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, that's the reality you've got, um, that it's going to be broken at certain phases and it's not going to work the way we want it to. And so I tend to, I don't know if I have a healthy cynicism or maybe I'm cynical. I don't know. Uh, Hopefully it's healthy, but I don't look at things the way I used to in that, oh, this is the thing that's going to make me happy or this is the project. Um, I go into it with high hopes and some of the ones that I think are going to be the, the best end up being the biggest pain. And some of the ones that I did not expect uh, or didn't see coming, those end up being the best and they may not pay the best, but they they end up being the ones that are the most satisfying.
0: Well, Matt, we've dug into so much good stuff today. You might be the first one that I invite back for part two because we've got so many more questions that I'd love to dig into at some point. But before I let you go, what do you think the best piece of advice is that you've either received or your favorite piece of advice to give out to young designers?
1: Uh, I would say the mistake I made was I waited a long time for somebody to come and hand me the kind of work that I wanted to do. Like, uh, I'd look through communication arts or I'd look through, look online. And I would think this is the kind of stuff I want to be doing. And I, I kind of thought that I could, I could align myself with the right people. And, and that would make that happen. Uh, and what worked for me, I'm not saying it's going to work for everybody, but I think it's important that you start doing the kind of work you want to do as soon as possible. Um, start being known for that. You may get a job out of school that you hate, that you're not able to do that kind of work, but find time and find ways to do that work so that your portfolio looks like who you are and your portfolio looks like the kind of work you want to be doing. And don't wait for someone else to hand you that kind of work. A lot of the early personal work I did, nobody paid me for that. You know, that Mm -hmm. was, I had to, I had to make it up. Nobody handed me a project. So just figure out what you want to be doing and find a way to do it. And it might be a fight to have to do it. But um, if you really want to do that, you know, don't wait around. Just start to uh, start making yourself look that way.
0: I think there's so many students in particular who have stuff in their portfolio because it was a thing they did for class or it was a, yeah. a thing they got paid for. And, you know, I think that's great advice to, you know, only show the stuff that you want to do. If you if you don't want to do that kind of work, then don't show it to us.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you may not have enough of it so figure out a way to do more of it you know it's right. make it you know stay keep keep that school mentality going even when you're out of school
0: well knowing that 75 percent of your time is spent designing and illustrating i think i've probably already taken up almost 25 percent today so i'm gonna let you get back to your day but um before you go tell our uh listeners where they can go to check out more of your work and sure. uh, go to find some of your stuff
1: yeah, I, uh, you can check out my website. It's hellomatstevens.com. I have a little store on there that keeps some stuff going. Certainly not trying to get rich, but just I like to produce real things and get them to people that want to have them. So I try to keep a decent um, amount of prints and different things going there. You're welcome to check that out. Uh, I'm on Twitter at c l t, and that's pretty much it. Hope to see you guys around on the Internet.
0: Well, awesome. We'll definitely link up to all of that on the show notes. And I appreciate you taking time to chat with me today. And thank you for being obsessed with design. Okay, guys, that is episode number 67 in the books. Please head over to obsessedshow.com for all of today's show notes. Tweet to at obsessedshow or I'm at Josh Miles. And let us know who you'd like to hear from next. Like I said, at the top of the show, we're starting season two, so be sure to be on the lookout. Make sure you are subscribed in iTunes or your favorite pod catcher and uh, give us a rating or review while you're in there to help other people find the show. Obsessed with Design is a production of Miles Herndon, a branding agency in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Our intro music is Matchbox Girl by Cassie Joe, and our show is always edited by the talented gen eds at the Brassy Broadcast Company. Visit brassybroad.com for more info. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.